Hi, everybody. How are you? It's great to see all of you. If I haven't met you, my name is Kenny. I had the privilege of being one of three guys who started this church several years ago. And what a joy it's been. If you're watching online, thank you so much for inviting us into your home around the country. We're glad to have you. We're just really, really honored. I want to give you a quick heads up about next Sunday. Next Sunday, in case you don't know, is Father's Day. So you may want to plan toward it. One father in every one of our services next week is going to, to win this Blackstone 22-inch grill. Uh, we got one for you. It's already here. And one dad will get that. Plus, we have a, a smaller gift for every single dad next week, June the 19th. You will not want to miss it. It's going to be a special time. I do want to say, if you are our guest today, you are so welcome here. And just how welcome are you? Let me tell you how welcome you are. One Sunday, I was greeting people as they came in, and I saw a friend walking up the, the sidewalk, and, and I, I greeted him, I hugged him, and, and when I hugged him, he smelled of alcohol. I mean, he just reeked of alcohol. And I just turned to him and said, you know, I'm so glad you're here. And he said kind of weakly, yeah, yeah, me too. And I thought, you know, um, for him to smell this badly of alcohol, he had to be drinking all night long. But then I thought, Father, thank you that we have a church where a, a man can fail even the night before and get up and say, I want to start over today. I want to start over today. I want a fresh start. BCF is all about offering a fresh start. It's all about offering a new beginning. So if that's you, I'm so glad you're here. At the end of our earlier service, a young man came to me. His name is Christian. said, you can use my name, whatever you want. He said, you could have been telling my story. I used to come here drunk. I mean, I was just so drunk. I came with my mom. So I did everything I could do. I could put mouthwash, cologne, whatever, to try to hide the smell. But he said, I, I do want you to know, he had big tears in his eyes. I have been sober now for two years. I haven't touched a drink. Yes, yes. He said, you know, you can tell my story anywhere and everywhere. We're in a message series called A Table for Two. You see this beautiful table for two. This is placed on Lou, this is based rather on Lou Giglio's book called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. This is a great book. Uh, as soon as I heard about it, I ordered it on Amazon. I, I've read it. It is so interesting. It's very, very well written. There are a few copies at the back, and I highly, highly recommend it. I want to give you the picture behind the phrase. There's this book. The whole series is based on Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Say, so what, what, what is that all, all about? The person who is preparing the table is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. He is the one that the Bible calls the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he is personally inviting you to come to this table for two. It's a table in your heart. It's a table that's in your mind. This table is uniquely designed to feed you, to strengthen you, so you can win life's most bitter, bitter battles. And some of you have been fighting some really, really tough battles this week. And I'm so happy to tell you that you can win. You can absolutely win over life's most difficult battles. 
Maybe you've been battling thoughts like this. My husband will never change. Maybe we'd be better off with somebody else. That's a destructive thought. Maybe you're entertaining the thought, and you've heard this. I hate my job. I think I'll quit tomorrow. But you don't have any money, and you don't have any job lined up. That's probably not a good idea. Or maybe you've heard this thought. You know, you should take a drink. You could drink one, but you know you cannot stop with one. That's a destructive thought. Or maybe you're battling fear. And you're hearing voices that says, you're going to fail. You're going to be an epic failure. You're going to be so embarrassed. Oh, friends, God wants you to be fearless. God wants you to fear nothing. I will fear no evil. God wants his children not to be fearful, but fearless. Maybe you've been listening to the most devastating voice of them all. Inside your mind, you've been hearing, you know... You are such a loser. The world would be better off without you. You should end it. That is not God's voice. That is never God's voice. That is the voice of Satan, your enemy. This is what the Bible says about you. Here's the truth. You are precious, God says. You are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. This is the truth. Today, you can win over those painful thoughts, and you're thinking, what in the world is going on? Where do these weird thoughts come from? Ephesians chapter 6 in the Bible, verse 12, reveals where these thoughts come from. Now, look at it closely. We are not fighting against people, but against evil rulers and authorities, notice, of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Are they real? Absolutely, they are real. Is God real? Yes. Is the Lord Jesus real? Yes. Is Satan real? Yes. So what should you do when you realize, you know what, I have been listening to the wrong voice. I I have given Satan a place at the table of my mind or my heart. This is what the Bible says. Here's our path to freedom. Let God transform you into a new person. Notice how he does it. Look at the last phrase. Let God transform you into a new person. How? By? Look at that last phrase. By changing the way you think. So today, I want to challenge you to change the way you think about three people. Three of the most important people in your life. And I'm going to challenge you to change the way you think. And what what is the first person? By the way, if you don't have your notes, I invite you to take them out, get our pen. I want you not simply to hear from me. I want you to hear from God by looking at God's Word. That's why I've given you God's Word, these verses, so you can see them. You don't have to find them. I've already found them for you, and they're listed. There are some blanks that you can fill in. If you're watching online, there's a link where you can get this exact same outline, and you can follow along. I really encourage you. You'll get so much more, not just today, but in the days to come out of this helpful message on I do not want to give Satan a place at my table. Changing the way you think, first of all, change the way you think about Satan. Change the way you think about Satan. Many of you, when you think about Satan, you think that, 
Oh, he, he comes to you as a, a, a terrorist with a knife dripping in blood. He's got this creepy voice, and you hear that creepy organ music. That is not how Satan comes. That wouldn't fool anybody. I mean, immediately you, you'd be on the defensive. Instead, the Bible says Satan comes to you, notice, as an angel of light. He's coming to you as a, a caring, sympathetic, helping person. Louis Giglio in his book said Satan's voice might sound like this. Hey, how's it going? You doing okay? You don't look so good. How's everything at work? I don't honestly know how you do it. Your boss is such a jerk. I mean, really, you're a real trooper to hang in there and put up with that idiot. So how are things at home? They're still rough. Man, I, I pity you. I really do. That seemingly sympathetic, caring voice is deadly. It is destructive. Picture this. After your boss gives you a lousy, unfair evaluation, you're mad. You leave work, you get in your car, and you hear this voice. Hey, 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 why don't you stop and get some beer on the way home? Go home, smoke a little dope. Come on, just relax, get wasted. That's a really bad idea. Because the next day, guess what? You still have to work through that bad evaluation. But now, you have a killer headache. A what-was-I-thinking kind of headache. Do not listen. Do not give Satan a place at the table of your mind. Satan never helps you. He always hurts you. Satan never makes things better. He always makes things worse. I have permission to tell you from my older brother, four years older than I am, Dick Lewis, he said, you can tell my story anywhere. You can use my name. If it will help people, you can tell my story. My older brother sent me a wedding invitation to his second wedding, meaning he was leaving his wife and his three children. And I pleaded with him, don't do this. This is not going to end well. Don't do it. And he responded as follows. Once again, I share it with permission. He said, I have made a series of decisions that by conscience you have difficulty accepting. Nevertheless, I have made them because they seem right to me. My decisions were not made lightly or quickly, but with thoughtful prayer and consideration. My wife-to-be has encouraged, if not required, church attendance. I must tell you, however, that in my heart of hearts, this seems right for me. I hope that you accept my decision. He ignored my pleading. He did marry a second time around. And less than a year later, he wrote, a family is a precious thing. I ought to know I destroyed one. Dick's second wife later divorced him. On the rebound, he married again. Dick's third wife divorced him. Satan never makes things better. He always makes things worse. If you want to avoid being trapped by Satan's deceitful, 
deceitful thinking. There's one thing you've got to do. Jesus said this, you must know the truth and it is the truth that will make you free. You've got to know the difference between what seems right and what is right. What feels right and what is right. Jesus said it is only the truth. You've got to know the truth about God's way of living. Jesus said this about Satan. Satan is a liar. He is the father of all lies. He is lying to you. And then he added, from the very beginning, Satan was a murderer. Every murder is inspired by Satan. Satan inspired the first murder, Cain, to kill his brother Abel. And Jesus added, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan's objective is to steal your joy and to destroy not only you, but those who are around you. After the brutal murder of 21 people in Uvalde, which isn't too far from here, we've heard a great deal about the need for mental health. And certainly we do need sound mental health. But not a single person is talking about the need for spiritual health. Our country is in desperate need of spiritual help. We are sick spiritually. We have been listening to the wrong voices behind every single murder is the Satan who inspired it. Men and women, do not listen to Satan's voice. Don't give him a place at the table. Here's one way you can keep Satan from having a place in your life. And it's a very simple way. Found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. The Bible says, Stop being angry before the end of the day, for anger gives a foothold, a, a place at the table. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. It gives an entrance into your life. Now, some of you are not struggling with anger over something that was done to you. You are angry over something that was done to someone you love. You've been hanging on to this anger, feeling it's righteous to hold on to it. It isn't. Every single night, you and I need to say, God, take this anger from me. Like a festering thorn, God, please pull this out of my heart. Take this anger from me. How important is it? Jesus said it like this. If you are familiar with the command, do not murder, yes, I'm telling you that anyone is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. I believe after over 50 years in ministry, anger destroys more marriages than alcohol, drug addiction, adultery put together. It is our anger that is swelling up within us and Satan is fueling it like gas on a fire every single night. Every night we need to say, God, take this anger away. God, take this anger away from me. God, give me peace. What do you do when you realize you have already given Satan a place? You've been listening to his voice. I suggest you make two very simple but very, very powerful steps. The first of those steps is you need to admit that your bad decision was your bad decision. You will never overcome it until you own it. You've got to be willing to say these three words. I was wrong. I know it's hard, so let's practice. Ready? I was wrong. I want you to see the power that's released when you say those words. The Bible promises if we confess 
our sins. If we confess whose sins? Our own sins to God. He will keep His promise and do what is right. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all wrongdoing. Confession releases God's power to cleanse our hearts as clean as a new white shirt without a single stain on it. God says, I will cleanse you even as clean as freshly fallen snow. Don't be like the man who lost four jobs and said all four of his previous bosses were jerks. Every single one of them. You think, all four? He never did anything wrong himself. Freedom begins with admit, admitting, I was wrong. I want to say as gently as I can, you will never overcome this bad behavior as long as you're saying, it was my dad's fault. It was my mom's fault. It was my ex's fault. It's my boss's fault. Until you're willing to say, God, this was my fault. I was wrong. And then God promises, though, your sins are as bright red, they will become as white as snow. Now, what if, what if uh, the bad choices you've made, the sins you've committed, not only hurt the Lord, but they also hurt someone else? What should you do? Ask their forgiveness as well. It is cleansing of the heart. You're going to add three words. You're going to keep the first three, I was wrong, and add three more, please forgive me. Let's practice all six words. I was wrong, please forgive me. Now, that wasn't that hard. This should be a regular habit of life, unless you're perfect. Hello? <laughs> you have some real issues. We all fail. We need to be willing to deal with it so that God can cleanse our hearts. We begin by saying, Father, I want you to change the way I think about Satan. He is not a sympathetic, caring friend. He is cruel, heartless, destroying murderer. Secondly, you also need to change the way you think about God. Because you're not going to win your battles because of who you are. You're going to win your battles because of who God is. You say, God, I need to change the way I'm thinking about me. You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You are inviting me to draw close to you and feel your power in my life. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I want you to underline that last phrase, a rich and satisfying life. This is God's goal. More enjoyable, more peaceful, more pleasurable, more guilt-free than you possibly imagine. I want you to change the way you think about God. And how can you change the way you think about Him? Well, start by giving thanks for God's goodness every single day. Say, God, I want to thank you for your goodness today. Start even before you get out of bed. I want to call your attention, please, to Psalm 136. Psalm 136, verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord. Why should you give thanks to the Lord? Because... He is good and... Now, if you look at Psalm 136, you're going to discover it has 26 verses. Listen carefully. All 26 verses begins with an expression of thanks and they end with the exact same phrase. His faithful love endures forever. He says that 26 times over. Now, this is not a hard question. If God says this 26 times over, what do you think he wants you to remember? 
that his faithful love endures forever. A great way to begin your day. Say, Father, thank you for the night's sleep. Your faithful love endures forever. You're sitting down at the breakfast table. God, thank you today for this raisin bran. God, thank you. Your faithful love endures forever. Thank you, Lord, for this. Make it your habit to say, God, I want to thank you because you are so good to my life. God, thank you for your goodness every single day. And when you admit, when you follow it with your faithful love endures forever, what you're saying is, Father, listen, it is impossible for you to stop loving me. It is impossible. Your faithful love endures how long? Until you sin? That certainly wouldn't be forever, would it? Your faithful love endures forever. You will never abandon me. God, thank you. Your faithful love endures forever. The scripture says the Lord is always good. He is always loving and always kind. Now let me ask you, then, then what do you do when bad things happen to you? And they do. They happen to me. They happen to you. Is God still good? Yes. yes. Answer. He is always good. I, I suggest you say something like this. Father, thank you for allowing this because you will use it for good in my life. You're just paraphrasing Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This happened to me this last week. Many of you know that... Uh, Connie and I have been working on redoing the kitchen for over a year now. This seems like the project that never ends. It's just going on and on and on and on and on. And so we had to tear out one wall where the sink was, and a lot of it was rotten. The dishwasher had been leaking, unknown to us. So we had to completely redo that, completely redo the sheetrock, stuff we'd never done before. I know some of you are really good at this. God bless you. This is our first time. So it still came out, right? And we put it up and had to do some plumbing, some electrical. And there's a, for, for some of you that are not into the trades, it won't mean anything, but there's a, there's a quarter inch copper line that runs from the, underneath the sink, it runs up through the wall, over the attic, and over to our refrigerator, and brings water to the refrigerator, and it's really cool. Well, I've done all this work, it's unbelievable. I think, oh, will this never end? And the plumber came over, and he's connecting everything for me, and we say, okay, we're good. I did not have any water at the refrigerator. That copper line's plugged. I'm thinking, oh, no, oh, no, oh, oh, no. To get to that line, I've got to tear out all the cabinets that I've just put in, tear out the sheetrock that we just put in. I think, oh, there's a kink in it. There's a kink in this copper line. And so honestly, I, I admit, I went to bed exhausted. I woke up the next morning praying before I ever got out of bed. God, I pray that you'll let that work today. God, please let it work today. God, please let it work today. I went and I pushed on the refrigerator. It didn't work. <laughs> There's no water. The Father, thank you. You will use this for good. God, you promised you would. God, thank you. So I went ahead. I was working this week, came here, and I, I was meeting with my accountability partner, and and we always share our prayer requests. And I said, I know this will sound dumb, but I'll, I want you to pray for a quarter-inch copper line that it will, it will come unplugged. <laughs> and he said, okay, 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 okay. And he prayed. That was Wednesday. By the time I got home Wednesday afternoon, Connie said, guess what? The water line works. Oh, God, thank you. Oh, God. Oh, there's a God in heaven who hears and answers prayer. Oh, thank you. Oh. There are times that God does not immediately answer your prayer, so you will share it with someone else 
So he is further glorified when he answers. He didn't answer me at first, but I had to share with my accountability partner, and he's praying, and then God says, okay, I'm going to unclog this line for you. <laughs> so what should you do when bad things happen? By faith, you say something like this, Father, thank you for allowing this to happen. You will use it for good in my life because the Lord is always good and he is always kind. I say, okay, God, when you're changing the way that you think about God, you need to also, when you're tempted, ask God to show you a way of escape to your temptation, a way out. And he's promised, I'll always do that. If you'll just listen to me, I'll always do it. The Bible says God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than, keep reading, more than you can stand. When, not if, when you are tempted, he will, not he might, he will show you a way out so you can endure. Will God do this? Yes. Will he do it every time? Yes. I have a dear friend who was invited to go to a party and he asked his wife about it and his wife said, I don't think you should go. That was his first way of escape. So he didn't want to listen to his wife, so he calls his Christian friend. His Christian friend says, I don't think you should go. That was his second way of escape. But he didn't listen to his Christian friend either. He went ahead and went to the party. All his old buddies were there. They're all drinking. He starts drinking, drinking way too much. And he realizes this woman's making a pass at him. And so he kind of scares him, so he goes out to the car and calls his Christian friend, tells him what happens, and his Christian friend says, get out of there now. He didn't do it. He went back in, drank some more, committed adultery. He ended up losing his marriage and losing his family. When he was relaying what happened, he was sitting in an empty, rented house with no furniture, no curtains on the windows, nothing except a television to dull the pain. Satan never tells you what it's going to be like 18 months later. Don't do it. God will make a way of escape, but you've got to listen. The way of escape is there. Let me tell you one of my ways of escape. One of my ways to escape of escape is quoting Psalm chapter 19. I've memorized it, verse 14. So when these crazy thoughts enter my mind, I immediately begin quoting, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable or pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Notice it doesn't say the thoughts that enter your mind. You cannot stop thoughts from entering your mind, but you can stop from entertaining them. I had this happen yesterday. I'm driving back from Walmart. Some bizarre thought enters my head. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. May the words of my mouth, Father, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. May it be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When you do that, you're doing spiritual battle. You're saying, I am not giving Satan a seat at my table. No. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Change the way you think about Satan. Change the way that you think about God. And thirdly, change the way you think about yourself. Some of you believe, and perhaps you have been taught, that you are a no good, wretched, less than a worm sinner. I'm going to very gently say that's not 
true. And perhaps you've even said, well, I am, I am just a sinner saved by grace. Listen very carefully what I'm about to tell you. That is simply not true. Who you are is you are a child of God who occasionally sins. You are not a worm. In fact, I want you to see what the Bible says about you. Look how great a love the Father has given us that we should be, cause, should be called God's children. Look at the last three words. And we are. That is who you are. Now, celebrate recovery every Friday night at 7 o'clock. We, we do not follow the AA pattern where people introduce themselves. I may say, hi, I'm John Doe. I'm an alcoholic. Or, hi, I'm John Doe. I'm a struggling drug addict. No, that is not who you are. Instead, we say this. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with, and you fill in the blank. By the way, one of the things I struggle with is I get mad at God when he doesn't answer prayers the way I think he should. Now, I, I know that's lame, but uh, don't be judging me. Come on, come on, we all have issues, right? I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with. You are not a worm. You are not a low-life sinner. You are a child of God who occasionally sins. And that's true of all of us. The Bible says this, if anyone, is, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Don't you hate it when you go to a family reunion and you haven't seen people for 20 years and they say things like, well, you know how you are. And you're starting to think, I haven't been that way for 20 years. I'm a new creation. I, I, I don't get stoned out of my mind anymore. I don't get drunk anymore. Hey, hello, those old things have gone. I am a new, amen, I am a new person in Christ. I'm not that old person. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So much so that the Bible says those who look to God for help will be radiant with joy. You should have a radiance on your face that you don't have to buy at Dillard's. It is a radiance that comes from the inside out. It is the goodness of God. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is something special about you because someone is in you. It is the Spirit of God. You are a new creation in Christ. You are not only God's child, you are also God's soldier. This is part of who you are. To begin your day by saying, Father, today here I am. I'm your son and I'm your soldier. Because you're soldiers, you and I are called to a mission. And that mission is to change our world for the cause of Christ. Jesus said to make disciples, to teach them to obey all things that he's commanded us that leads to a peaceful, rich, joyful, satisfying life. This is what we're called to do. And because of that, the Bible says, watch this carefully, Ephesians chapter 6, as follows. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I make it my habit, and I've hesitated to tell you this, but I make it my habit because it can become meaningful and, and just mechanical and ritualistic. I know that. But I make it my habit to pray on the armor of God every day, including today. As I come before the Lord, I say, Father, here am I today, and I'm putting on the helmet of salvation to protect my mind. Lord, how I need that. And I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness to protect my heart. I want your righteousness, not mine. 
And today I put on the belt of truth today, Lord. I, your word is truth. I want to walk in the truth. And today I put on the sandals of the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then I pray the shield of faith, Lord, around me and around my wife, Connie, and my daughter, Sarah, and her husband, Scott. And there are about 21 people in our family, so it takes a little while to, before you get all the way down there. But is it worth it? Yes, yes it's worth it. This Wednesday, Connie and I will celebrate 49 years of marriage. 49 years. Does it work? Yes, it works. I love things that work. I challenge you to put on the armor of God every single day so that you might be able to stand firm against the devil and his murderous, lying, deceitful ways trying to destroy you and your family. Today, Lord, I am not a, just your son. I am your soldier. And I take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, which says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And the Bible says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Satan, get away from me. I am God's son. I am God's soldier. I love the way five professional baseball players on the Tampa Bay Rays professional baseball team, how they said, we are God's soldiers. We are not just his sons. We're his soldiers. His team was all putting on the emblems of gay pride. And these five said, uh, I'm sorry, we, in good conscience, we cannot do that. I want you to listen to how their pitcher, Jason Adams, listen to what he said. This is so well said. We all said that what we want is for them to know that they're welcome and loved here. But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that we don't want to encourage. If we believe in Jesus, who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior, just like Jesus encourages me as a heterosexual male to abstain from sex outside of the confines of marriage, it's no different. It's not judgmental. It's not looking down. It's just what we believe about the lifestyle he's encouraged us to live for our good. But again, we love these men and women. We care about them. We want them to feel safe. We want them to feel welcome. It's a beautiful example of saying God is a better way. God is a more enjoyable way, a more peaceful way, a life that's less guilt-free, a life that's healthier. If you have a loved one in the homosexual lifestyle, love them and love them enough to say there's a better way. God's way is a much, much better way. It's filled with life and hope and richness and peace and joy. We are not simply God's sons. We are also God's soldiers. You and I are leaders in the greatest movement in the history of the world. That is the building of the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said the gates of hell will not stop us. Let's be that kind of men and women who are not only God's sons and daughters, but we are also soldiers before the Lord. I suggest to you, God does not want you to be afraid of Satan. God wants Satan to be afraid of you. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, clothed in the armor of God, taking up the sword of the Spirit, setting captives free one by one. There's a new way. There's a better way. There's a better way, and His name is Jesus. Bow with me for a moment. Bow with me, please. Oh, Heavenly Father, with hearts overflowing with gratitude, we say thank you. Thank you for birthing us into your kingdom. 
unworthy and undeserving, giving us a new home and a new heart and a new passion to be your sons and daughters and to be your soldiers, lovingly, gently, yet clearly and firmly advancing the cause of Christ. Lord, we know this is your will for us. So we're asking you for your help in the powerful name of Jesus. Now I want you to look this way. Because God does not want you and me to be simply hearers of the word. He wants us to be doers. So let me ask you to take out your comment card. I've given you five very practical steps. Wrote them just for you. They say, hey, uh, you, you take whatever ones of steps you'd like. If you're watching online, if you'll click the link, you can pull this up. You can see it. You can follow along with us. Here are five next steps on the back. Step number one, hope you'll take this step. I will overcome Satan's tempting thoughts with God's word. You can do this. Psalm 19, 14. You can do it. Hope you'll check that. Secondly, I will ask God to take away my anger before going to bed. Check it, if you would. Or third, I will develop the habit of gratitude of giving thanks because your faithful love endures forever. Fourth, I will take God's way of escape when I am tempted and all of us are tempted. God, I'll do it. God, I'll do it. And I'll daily pray on the armor of God. The young man at the end of our earlier service said, tell my story anywhere you want. My name is Christian. I've been sober for two years. That can be your story today. In the name of Jesus, amen.